Welcome back to another episode of Coffee Pods, where we are going through our series of Coming to Jesus. Wes, it's really good to be back with you again. Yep, you too. Looking forward to it. Yeah, so we're looking today at the story uh, of Zacchaeus, which might be a familiar uh, person to some people through, especially he's always someone I think of, of Sunday school. Um, I just always seem to remember looking at him at Sunday school. (laughs) Yeah, of course, and, and uh, you know, I was tempted to sing the song, you know, now Zacchaeus was a very little man, and yes. very little man was he. Um, <laughs> but it, it's it's sort of the along the lines of the wise man built his house upon the rock, isn't it? It's that sort of thing. It is, a little collection. <laughs> but, but church history records the fact that he became a disciple of Jesus. Mm. So, you know, but yeah. uh, it, it, it's ever so clear that he has such an incredible transformation in a really Absolutely. short space of time. Yeah, and so it'd be good to talk about that a little bit. Um, if you've not checked out uh, Acorn Christian Live yet, we go through the actual story, we read it together, and Wes gives a short reflection. But this is now where we just go a little bit further um, and hope that you find it useful. But um, Wes, uh, Zacchaeus, there, there's a lot happening in this story, isn't there? there? There's an amazing encounter. Before I start asking you some specific questions, um, do you just want to kind of share your heart on it? Yeah, I I love this story because the thing that, that grips me about this is this man is trying to keep away from, from being discovered. You know, I mean, he's clearly, he's clearly looking for something. And 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 that's true, isn't it? We often are looking for things in life, and we we've looked everywhere, but we've never found it. I mean, I, I've been in the ministry nearly forty years, and I've met loads of people who have been trying to find the thing that quietens the inner nagging inside. Um, and for Zacchaeus, um, how he got into it, but he's clearly the tax collector. He's clearly part of the system. Um, he's clearly treated as a quisling, as, as a collaborator with Rome. Um, the people who were around him would have not liked him, trusted him, accepted him, anything. And, and so for me, the thing that, that I am, I'm so encouraged about, because in a sense, I think it's true of us all, but the thing that makes me just amazed at Jesus even more is that Jesus just draws alongside this guy and draws him in. So, I mean, the pronouncement that this man is the son of Abraham, I mean, that would have shocked the sandals off the Jews standing there and hearing him say that. You think you cannot be serious. It's almost like Victor Meldrew, isn't it? I mean, you you know, and and, and, or it's John McEnroe, because this whole thing was so, so radical, Lisa, that this man is, is publicly declared by Jesus as being in the very heart of the Jewish faith, you know, yeah. a son of Abraham. So it, I love it. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, and it's just another one. It's another example, isn't it, of Jesus being, as you said, radically inclusive. Each person who we've looked at so far, you're always going to find a reason why they shouldn't have that encounter with Jesus. Yeah, you are. And actually, I don't know about you, but doesn't that encourage me? Very much so. Because 
I don't know about your life, but actually my life wasn't particularly before I found Jesus. It wasn't particularly the sort of thing that you thought, yes, of course, absolutely. Somebody's going to let him be a vicar sooner or later. Um, and, and, you know, I, I just think the thing, that in, the thing that interests me is that the people that society or even at times the disciples, or if I put it in our terms, the church, thinks are not acceptable to God. And it seems to me that they are the very people that Jesus targets and not just reaches out to, but embraces. So you think about them all, the leper, the woman with the hemorrhage, the people that we've been talking about over this last series, you know, the people who are uh, outside of what people have regarded as God's grace, interest or reach. And of course, the other thing, of course, is bless him for poor old Nicodemus that we talked about. You know, the, the disciples would have thought that Nicodemus was outside of God's reach yeah. for all the same reasons. Yeah. And, and so for me, I find the challenge into my own life um, is, is how, how inclusive Jesus was um, without, I mean, the thing is, Lisa, that, that God embraced me, but he didn't agree with me. But he nevertheless embraced me and drew me in. And, and I think in, in some strands of Christianity, we tend to think that, you know, um, you can only come to God if he agrees with you. Well, God never agrees with any of us, really. Mm. But he does draw us in. And mm. it's that encounter with Jesus that is the change factor. And I think that's in the healing thing where and I was just um, doing some um, uh, teaching on it just recently. There is no healing without meeting the healer yeah and that's the key yeah yeah definitely and i think a lot and, and I, we've talked about this at a recent event as well um the, the the way that god works and that he ministers to people can actually offend people can't it because it's not how society or church or whoever would envision it uh, yes you, you're right and, and i think Sometimes um, we can get offended because we think that God has misplaced grace on people that we don't um, think. Um, I had a, we had a guy in, in our church um, and he sang very loud, but not in tune. Oh, yeah. And um, the, we had some really gifted musicians in the church and they, they said to me, Wes, can't you do anything about it? Can you just say, hey, could you just, you know, maybe... And I said, no, because I realized that, that God sends some people to us as an offense test to see if we're going to get offended at the people that he would draw in. And, and, and what I have noticed about it is that the people who have received healing or are receiving healing, they don't, they're not easily offended. They don't take offense at things. They keep almost a, a clear, pure space in heart so that um, the, the maximum allow, amount of grace and life and mercy and love can flow to them, not just in heart, but also in body. And so I think it, it seems to me that sometimes in, in the church, we can get offended about things that don't really bother God that much. And, and I, so I think in a sense, there's a, there's a thing for us as we're all journeying towards healing. And as those of us who are praying for others, 
we need to ensure that we don't let our hearts become offended because we think, you know, God's being too gracious to somebody. And, you know, it sounds, it sounds foolish, but I've noticed that that's the thing that is quite significant. Do you think that that's an intentional decision? So you say people who've received healing, uh, uh, they don't take offence as quickly or easily. Is that an intentional decision or is that part of their transformation, do you think? I think it's part of the transformation, certainly. I think when Mm. you have received grace from God, you live in that. Mm. Um, And and I think that's what I've noticed about those who are praying for the healing ministry, that they are trying to live in that same grace. But I have also noticed that it's a a conscious decision, a a conscious decision to keep away from gossip, a conscious decision to keep away from criticism and bitterness and unforgiveness, and all of the things that in a sense, start inwardly, but then can become expressed outwardly. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, so something that begins in my heart and my spirit, if I let it fester, it can come out as a physical thing as well as an emotional or a mental thing. Yeah. And so I, th- I think in a sense, in, in the journey to healing, we have to, um, I would say to people, if you're looking for healing and you hear somebody else has been healed, rejoice in it, celebrate it because it does something in our own hearts about keeping us in the place of receiving grace. Yeah, I like that. And, and I think that also, um, it, it, it helps us focus somewhat on our agenda and God's agenda, because I think a lot of the time that we often will feel offended um, or, or not be able to rejoice in other people's blessings is because it might not, be our agenda do you know what i mean god's agenda is now kicking in um and i I think we find that difficult yes we do and and of course i think that that then means that we are not open or alert to the grace that god would not only show to others but that he would show to us so you know you'd have looked at zacchaeus up the fig tree in in the bird whatever stuff and and the the moldy rotting fruit in this tree. And, you know, it would have been very easy to say, God really isn't that interested in him. He just, you know, um, whereas actually it was interesting, isn't it? Nobody else in the story is named. Yeah. only The person, him. The person who invited Jesus to come and stay at their house and he moved on, he's not named. Yeah. You know, he's, it's only Zacchaeus. And, and, and I think it's because I don't know, you know, whether in a sense Zacchaeus, he must have been looking for something. But I think the encounter with Jesus was so transformative. And, and, and what I would say is, you know, whatever it is, um, embrace the works of God when you find them. Yeah. Just embrace them. Just, you know, take them into yourself. I mean, it, isn't it interesting that Zacchaeus does not debate with Jesus about how much he should give? You know, he's basically giving most of it away. I mean, really <laughs> yeah. if you do the maths, he hasn't got a lot left after doing this. <laughs> I'll give four times what I took. Okay. I mean, there's not a lot left. <laughs> and and actually, what I would say is whatever it looks like, however God does it, just embrace the works of God in your life. Yeah. Because because that's where the life is. That's where the life of the spirit is. That's where healing is. That's where wholeness is. Don't shut yourself off from the avenues that god uses to bring healing to you just because you don't like the channel he's using 
Yeah, that's a really good point. And and I think what's so good with this story as well, and and so relatable with this story is obviously Zacchaeus. He says, "I'll give four times." You know, he's talking about the money. He knows there's an issue there, and I think we do that too. We come to God, don't we? And we say, I'll do this or I'll stop doing that. And you can identify what's going on in your own heart and your own life. And and we do sometimes not not bargain with God, but we we present to him what we know the issues are. And he still wants a bit of us, which is just wonderful. Oh, it, it's lovely, isn't it? I mean, yeah, I love the fact that Jesus isn't put off by any of the things that would have put, you know, us as church off. Yes. Yeah. What, in, what interests me, and and you know, this is maybe something we'll just pick up in in a prayer moment. Mm. Um, but this is a reset moment for Zacchaeus. You know, I could I could just hear the sort of the Christian version of this, which says, "Lord, now you've transformed me. I will become, um, you know, a, a fundraiser for the kingdom of God. Yeah. I will." You know, I'll I'll start earning money and and do this, and I'll I'll do that, and I won't do it for my own ends. I'll I'll do it for things, and and I'm sure that there are times when that's right for people, absolutely. But for Zacchaeus, um, he walks away from it, and and there are times when the reset button for us is not to just adjust what we have, but Jesus says, "I want you to leave it behind, yeah, and I want you to follow me." And that's just yes. one of these stories where he said, you know, somebody else will say, go back to your family and tell them all the things that God's yeah. done for you. For Zacchaeus, this is like, okay, Zacchaeus, get rid of it. Leave it all behind. You're not going to be doing that anymore. Now come follow me. And maybe for those who are listening today, for some of us, it's a reset moment yeah. where God isn't saying, don't adjust, actually reset, change the thing. And and maybe that's true in relation to physical healing as well. Perhaps, perhaps there's something we need to step away from, as well as step into, in order to receive from God. Yeah, that would be good to pray, pray around and into that shortly. And this next question that I've got for you, I suppose, links into that, which is good. But we um, we've got obviously lots of healing events here at Acorn, and. Uh, we recently did one, I don't know if it was living in the anointing or healthy on the inside, um, but you talked about or asked our guests whether there's a difference between hiding and guarding your heart. Um, and I feel like that that comes out a little in this story. Are you able to just expand on that question a bit? That's a great question. Um, Proverbs says, above all things, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life, or mm. it, it, it's the place from which life flows. And I think that's true. We guard our hearts from sin. Absolutely. We guard our hearts from the things that we talked about, bitterness, resentment, you know, criticism, gossip. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think there's also um, the thing, you know, Jesus talks about don't cast your pearls before swine, uh, lest they turn and trample on them, you know, trample on them and you. I think I've noticed that there are times when, for instance, God has spoken um, to you personally about something. And, you know, the temptation is to share it far and wide. But actually, there are times when God says, no, just keep this in your own heart. There are times when people want to know what's going on in your life. And sometimes with your friends, that's absolutely fine. You feel, yeah, absolutely. But then there are others and you think, no, it's not appropriate for me to let you, 
It's a bit like having a beautiful garden and then just in, inviting the local rugby team to come and play a game in it. You know, by the time you finished, what was very beautiful has been completely trashed and trampled with all due respect to any rugby players who might be listening <laughs> right now. It's just the nature of the game. And I think there are times when um, we've, we've seen it on social media, haven't we, with people who have given so much of their life into a public domain that they feel that there's nothing left of them or for them. And in fact, there's actually a company, I think in Sweden, who you can pay to go and search the web and remove um, you know, all the mentions of you. But of course, you can't then remove it from somebody else's Facebook post that then post it on to somebody else. And I think at times we need to preserve the dignity of being made in the image of God and realize that, that sometimes there are bits of that which are just between us and the Father. And we hold those. So, yes, there's a, a guarding from ourselves, from sin and all the other stuff and junk that's around. Um, but I, I put it in those terms that but then we can hide our hearts. I can be false with you. You know, I can say to be, you know, what's the average response when people say, how are you? And the answer is fine. OK, except we're probably not, but we're not going to tell anybody. And I think there's times when it's right to do that. I think there are times when perhaps rather than pretending something else, like my friend who wrote to me just to tell about the situation they're in, I think sometimes it's say, I just need to be honest with somebody. Yeah. Most people in church are not honest because they're afraid that if they were, people would reject them. Yeah. Which is sad, really, in the church. It is very sad. Yeah. yeah. We, it ought to be the safe place for us. Yeah. Church should be a safe place for us to be honest about the life that we're living. Uh, and, and in ACORN, we try and make it like that. It needs to be a safe place. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Wes. There's some really good points to bring out of that. And if you're uh, with a hub or even on your own, you may want to just listen back and pick out a few of those things, maybe to chat through and uh, pray over together. Um, but while we are together, Wes, will you kindly pray for those who are with us now? Yeah, let's do that. Heavenly Father, you know us so well. And Lord, you never become disillusioned with us. Because you deal with reality from the start and you know us. But Lord, thank you like Zacchaeus, it didn't turn you away from us. It drew you to us and you drew us to you. So I pray today, just now, Lord, as those who are listening at home or in the car or on the train, Father, I want to thank you that you are absolutely 100% for them. You are absolutely 100% with them and that you absolutely 100% have wonderful, transformative things to work in their lives. Father, I pray for each person that today salvation and healing will come where they are, in body and in mind and in spirit. And Lord, would you, like Zacchaeus, teach us to be generous and give away the things that you've given to us. And so we ask this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.
Wonderful. Thank you, Wes. And thank you guys for joining us again. And we look forward to bringing you a new episode next week. Bye-bye. We hope that you found this week's episode of Coffee Pods helpful and inspirational. If you like what you're listening to, please give us a like and share. We'll catch you soon. Thank you.